Good morning, and welcome to worship on this Memorial Day weekend. And a heartfelt thanks to every veteran and every family that sacrificed for our country. It is also Holy Trinity Sunday at Trinity Lutheran Church. It's a celebration of the mystery of the Trinity. Now, there is only one God. We are monotheistic people. There's only one God, and yet there is this fellow Jesus, and there is this creator, this father or mother, the author behind intelligent design and all of life. And then there is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. So is there one God, or is there three? And can simple creatures like us, alive for some 80 years, comprehend a being that is eternal, without beginning or end? Now, what's in the font this week? Not fire like last week for Pentecost. No, this week, just water. Water. How is it that you experience this substance known as H2O? Well, water. We drink it. We bathe in it. We play in it. We find fish in it, if we're really lucky. And it falls from heaven to nourish the earth. Water. H2O. And then there is ice. Ice covers the North and South Poles. It comes out of our freezers and cools our drinks. It falls from heaven as snow. But what is it? It's just H2O. And then there is this. That's right. What is it? Steam. And what is steam made of? H2O. Steam, ice, snow, water. It's all the same. But we experience it in different ways. There is one God, and we have experienced that one God in nature, in creation, but also in Jesus, the teacher, the rabbi, the one who died for us and was raised from the dead. And we experience God in the moving of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that mysteriously moves among us. One God, one H2O. We experience God in many ways. And in the limitations of our bodies and minds, we somehow come to comprehend that one God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Blessed Trinity. Yes, it's good that we're here. Thanks for joining us. Our opening hymn on this Trinity Sunday, predictably, holy, holy, holy. I'm going to light the candles. You can stand or sit and sing our opening hymn. Thanks for joining us.
Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Dwell with us, Creator God. Give us the eyes to see the pathway to abundant life. Help us to live one day at a time. Help us to work together for the common good. And send now your Holy Spirit, that we may be inspired to shower love on all people. We pray in, in confidence in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Barbara Bemway is going to read our lesson for us today. Over to you, Barbara. The lesson is from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all consolation, who consoles us in all our affliction so that we may be able to console those who are in any affliction with the consolation with which we ourselves are consoled by God. For just as the suffering of Christ are abundant for us, so also our consolation is abundant through Christ. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Barbara, and give our love to your boys, Michael and Zane. Now Carl Olson's gonna sing a piece for us, a piece that he wrote especially for us for this Trinity Sunday. Carl? It seems that God has got a plan To heal this world as only God can And I am just a traveler Searching as are you And seeking to follow and to do I will rise and sing this song of hope. I will sing this song with you. For I have faith that God through 
in times of trial, in times of doubt. When it's not clear what God is about, the Spirit is alive in us, filling our gifts with breath. Our joy is to answer and say yes. I will heal, you will prophesy. Some will teach the timeless truths. Feed the hungry, free the prisoner, guided by the flame. I will rise and sing this song of hope. I will sing this song with you. For I have faith that God through me and you is making all things new. I will rise and sing this song of hope. I will sing this song with you. For I have faith that God through me and you is making all things new. Thank you, Carl. Let's start our time out together with the inspired words of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, a man of faith, living under the iron fist of Rome. A man of faith who happened to be writing this letter from prison. Paul writes, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And finally, beloved, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Those are beautiful words from the Apostle Paul out of the fourth chapter of Philippians. Now what Paul understood very clearly was that the mind is the starting point of behavior. The mind is the starting point of behavior. If the mind is given over to despair, the behavior which follows will be uninspired. Our situation, no matter how dire, is not hopeless until we lose hope. That is true even in prison. It is Memorial Day weekend, a time to remember and give thanks for the sacrifices of those who gave their lives for the causes of freedom. The color guard presented this flag to my mother at my father's graveside. It had come from the commander and chief, William Jefferson Clinton. Kneeling at my mother's side, 
the young sailor said, on behalf of the President of the United States, the United States Navy and a grateful nation, please accept this flag as a symbol of our appreciation for your loved one's honorable and faithful service. This winter, I read Eric Larson's book, The Splendid and the Vile. Larson chronicles the dark days of World War II as seen through the leadership and administration of the war by Winston Churchill. For eight long months, the German Air Force relentlessly bombed London. England's allies had fallen all around her, and the United States was not interested in engaging in a foreign war. Hope was hard to come by. Good news was mostly non-existent, and if there had been no English Channel, it is likely that England would not have survived the war. Churchill inspired a nation to stand against tyranny. He understood that the war would be lost if free people lost the will to sacrifice. He inspired hope, knowing that the mind is the starting point of behavior. How close were we to losing that war? Closer than most of us probably ever knew. And on this Memorial Day weekend, how thankful we are to the greatest generation who fought to save the world from Nazi terror. If our thankfulness is restricted to one day a year, then we have sadly underestimated the real cost of our freedom, a freedom that we largely take for granted. The flag was given to my mother some 50 years after my father's service to, the, to his country. My grandparents had a blue star in the window of their northern Illinois farmhouse, a blue star to signify that someone from their home was in harm's way. My father was in the Pacific Theater, and his sister, my aunt, was in the Army Nurse Corps. Before the war was over, there would be more than 400,000 gold stars displayed in homes, gold stars signifying death, homes where fathers or sons would never return. In the Sullivan home in Waterloo, Iowa, on a cold January day in 1943, 60-year-old Tom Sullivan was getting ready for work when three uniformed officers got out of the car and approached his door. The senior officer said, I have some bad news for you about your boys. Which one, Tom Sullivan asked. I'm sorry. All five, he said. There were five gold stars on the Sullivan home, five sons who would never return to Waterloo, Iowa. God consoles us in our affliction that we may in turn console those who are afflicted. Last week, I had a young woman come to visit me, and she was overwhelmed by the news cycle. Israel and Palestine, horrific images from Gaza, 
students kidnapped in Africa, pandemic stories from India, and the reality of climate change in a world that does not seem willing or perhaps able to alter environmentally destructive behavior. She was overwhelmed. She was overwhelmed by political rancor, by racist attitudes. A sense of helplessness had, well, it had rendered her helpless. The problems seemed so big and the challenges so numerous that she was finding herself unable to function. The mind is the starting point of behavior. Now it's clear there's a lot of bad news out there. But I got to tell you folks, there is even more good news. Most people are polite and kind good citizens, good family members, and friends. But good news is a mere footnote to the nightly news, a few seconds, perhaps, of what is called the human interest story. Good news is not really considered to be very newsworthy. No, the news cycle is dominated by bad news, by fear, terrorism, murder, riots, by misbehaving politicians, natural disasters, and general discord. Every day, we are fed a diet of despair and death and conflict. Bad news makes the news cycle. And if bad news happens anywhere in the world, we hear about it right away, almost instantly. But it's not always been that way. When Abraham Lincoln was assassinated, it would be 12 days before the news of the president's death would arrive in Europe. Back then, news was mostly local, and it was rare that something really bad happened locally. Earthquakes, floods, murder, border wars, race riots, unless it happened in your neighborhood, it was unlikely that you would ever hear about it. I want you to consider our own journey for a moment, the journey that we've been on the past 15 months. Consider for a moment if the only news that you heard in these last 15 months was Whidbey Island news, what would you have experienced? You would have had precious little anxiety during this time. We have not had a lot of earthquakes or floods here. We've not had a lot of murder or border wars, or race riots, and even the pandemic has not hit South Woodby Island very hard. And yet, what are we fed? We are fed and we consume a steady diet of anxiety-producing news. It's no wonder that people feel overwhelmed, depressed, unable to function, unable to follow Jesus by making a difference in the lives of those we live with. The cancer of despair and anxiety leaves us feeling helpless. We are unable to make a difference in places then when we could really make a difference. Now, I'm not encouraging you to put your head in the sand. I'm not encouraging you to pretend that there are not problems in the world or in our families or right here on Whidbey Island. 
And we have tried to make a difference with some of those real issues. Our congregation has given more than a million dollars to help the poor and the needy of the world, and we're going to keep doing that. I'm not encouraging you to put your head in the sand, and in the same way, I'm not encouraging you to put your head in the clouds, believing that God alone will make everything right. No, no, we are the hands, we are the feet of Jesus in this world. We are called to work, and we are called to work for peace and justice, motivated by our love of God and our love of neighbor. We can and should be compassionate. We should be caring, a voice for the voiceless, a safe harbor in a dangerous world. Yes, we are the hands and feet of Jesus in the world, and God has important work for us to do. But hear me very clearly. We are not the Savior. None of us are the Savior of the world. There is only one Jesus, and we are not that one. We cannot solve every problem in every land and in every family. We cannot cure every diseased person or system. And if we try to do that, well, we will end up burned out, discouraged, and of little use to anyone. But we are by no means helpless. The mind is the starting point of behavior. The Apostle Paul reminds us that they can indeed put us in prison, but they can't take away our hope. Paul encourages us not to be overwhelmed by the magnitude of the world's problems. And how do we do that? By changing our focus. Does the evening news make you feel empowered, inspired, and hopeful? If not, then turn it off. It's time to change your focus. Or as Paul writes, if there is anything worthy of praise, dwell on that. Whatever is true and honorable and just and pure and commendable or pleasing, dwell on that. Dwell on that and let that good news inspire your hope and inspire your service. God needs us. God needs us to play our part, to bloom where we are planted. But God is not expecting you to broker peace in the Middle East. I was visiting with a woman in our church not too long ago, and she was having terrible trouble with anxiety. And so I encouraged her to keep an anxiety journal, to simply write down all that was causing her anxiety, to name it, name it write it down, look at it on the paper, and then next to it, to rate it from one to 10, determining what the current level of threat really was to her. Then if there was something that she could do to reduce that threat, to reduce that anxiety, if there was an action or action steps to be taken, then she should take them. In other words, don't let the anxiety paralyze you. Set out to reduce your anxiety through action. But if that named trouble written in your journal was not really a threat, then that too needs to be named. Benjamin Franklin famously said, 
Do not anticipate trouble or worry about what may never happen. Keep in the sunlight. Finally, if the anxiety was being caused by something entirely out of her control, then she needed to quit wasting her time and energy and move on to something or some place or someone where she could really make a difference in their lives. The mind is the starting point of behavior. Our legs do not move on their own. Our arms do not move on their own. Our fingers typing away on a keyboard receive their signals from the mind. Dwell on those things that inspire you and give no quarter to events or people who drag you into depression. And know that if you try to save the world, you will fail. But if you make a difference every day where you live and with the people that you live with, then you will find meaning and purpose in life and you will find hope. Christianity and life are best lived one step at a time, one small decision after another. Navy Admiral William McRaven was asked to give a commencement speech at the University of Texas a few years ago. And his first line of a rather amazing speech was this. If you want to change the world, start off by making your bed. That's right. Taking care of the small details. Start with those things that you can control. I'm talking about bite-sized Christianity. You know, we've all had great meals in our life, five-course meals, extravagant meals. A great meal is not eaten in one bite, is it? A journey of a thousand miles begins with that first step. And our preschoolers, some of whom you see behind me tonight, our preschoolers will graduate this Thursday. One step down, many years of school before them. Bite-sized Christianity. Keep it simple. Love God, be faithful to those who share your bed and your house, love your neighbors, and learn to love yourself. Make a difference every day where God has planted you. So what should you do? You should do your part. You should do your part for climate change. You should recycle. You should lobby Congress for the just treatment of the poor. You should volunteer at good cheer. You should write checks to local charities. You should remember the endowment in your will. You should say your prayers. You should swing your hammer. And by all means, make your bed. You see, if it's within your scope of influence, do it. So I guess if it is within your scope of influence to broker peace in the Middle East, then I hope you will do that. But if it's not, then you need to move on. Dwell on all that is good. And remember, regardless of what you hear in the news, most of the news every day is good news. Our lives are good. Our lives are safe here. We have food. We have freedom. We have good health care. Our neighbors do not wish us harm. We get to live here on Whidbey Island. We have been richly blessed. Amen? Amen. But you know what comes next, right? You already know. You've heard it a thousand times here. We're never blessed in isolation. We're blessed to be a blessing to others. 
one bite at a time, one kind, seemingly inconsequential act of kindness at a time. Back to the flag. It took nearly 4 million American soldiers, sailors, aviators, and nurses to win World War II. And behind them, countless Rosie the Riveters, shipbuilders, and farmers at home. 400,000 Americans died for the causes of freedom. Yes, no one person could have defeated Adolf Hitler. Everyone had to do their part. Everyone had to play a supporting role. And it starts here. The mind is the starting point for behavior. Christianity and life are best lived one bite at a time. If you want to change the world, start by making your bed. My friends, we cannot bring rain to drought-stricken lands, but we are not helpless. We cannot bring rain, but we can shower the people we love with love. The mind is the starting point for behavior. Carl's going to sing for us at this time. Carl? Join us singing James Taylor's Shower the People. One, two, three. You can play the game and you can act out the part Though you know it wasn't written for you But tell me how can you stand there with your broken heart Ashamed to play in the fool One thing can lead to another It doesn't take any sacrifice Oh, father and mother, sister and brother If it feels nice, don't think twice Just shower the people you love with love Show them the way that you feel Things are gonna work out fine if you only will Just shower the you love with love Show them the way that you feel Things are gonna be much better If you only will You can run but you cannot hide This is widely known And what you plan to do your foolish pride when you're all by yourself alone once you tell somebody the way that you feel you can feel it beginning to ease i think it's true what they say about the squeaky wheel always getting the grease better to shower
signs say, shower the people you love with love. Show them the way that you feel. Things are gonna be much better if you only win. Shower the people you love with love. Take that as a good thought into this week. We lift our prayers now to God. Uh, the Gandharius family is going to lead us in prayer. Each petition is going to end Holy Trinity. Our response, hear our prayer. Let us pray. Holy God, you are love. Guide us to transcend our paralysis and fear and be agents of holy love in your world. We know that you care for even the sparrow, and that every act of love and kindness, no matter how small, makes a difference for your people. The prophet Isaiah heard your call, whom shall I send? Let us answer with our own, here I am, send me. Holy Trinity, hear our prayer. Holy God, make us quick to welcome cooperation between neighbors and among the people of the world, so that there may be woven the fabric of a common good and a love too strong to be torn by the hands of war. Lend our hands and hearts to the healing of the communities torn by generations of conflict, that they might have a new birth of freedom and hope. Holy Trinity, hear our prayer. Holy God, we recall those servants who are and have been members of the military. We commend, uh, we commend them to your care and keeping and ask that you strengthen them in their trials and temptations. Give them courage to face the perils that surround them and grant them a sense of your presence wherever they might be. May we honor those uh, lost by living up to the ideals uh, they died defending uh, as we preserve liberty, advance justice, and sow the seeds of peace. Holy Trinity, hear our prayer. Holy God, in calling forth creation from the void, revealing yourself in human flesh, and pouring forth your wisdom to guide us, you show your love for the whole universe. We are called into community in the midst of pandemics, one of COVID and one of racism. As your people of community, we ask for guidance that we might respect the dignity and life of every human being. May the cries of those who feel powerless and invisible, who have been traumatized and remain threatened by the legacy of racism be heard. Help us bring this legacy to an end. Holy Trinity, hear our prayer. Majestic God, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. When life is hard, when our hearts feel stretched and empty, Still, we rejoice knowing that you are near. In the midst of turbulence, we grow and learn. As our days and years pass, as both trials and joys come, teach us to be thankful uh, for all that surrounds us uh, and fills our lives, that we might count our days, move forward uh, in love. Holy Trinity, hear our prayer. Almighty God, Guide the peoples and nations of the world, that the community of humankind may become more and more of an image of the community of the Holy Trinity. We ask this, and that all prayers left and spoken through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. 
Thank you to the Gundarius family. And Luke had a birthday this week, his last birthday before graduating from South Whidbey High School. Happy birthday, Luke. Now, the peace of the Lord be with you. Please share a sign of peace with those close or nearby or far away today. It's all right. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Greetings, and may peace be with you. Peace be with you. And also with you. Just a few announcements today. The flowers are given by Sandy and Jim Nelson in thanksgiving for the Trinity Lutheran Church Gardeners. You know, our campus looks fantastic. All those different planting areas. It doesn't happen by accident, thanks to our Trinity Lutheran Church Gardener. Summer schedule is going to be Again, on June 13th, we'll go to services at 8 and 10 o'clock. We also have a congregational meeting on Sunday, June 13th, after that 10 o'clock service. would encourage you to come out if you are able. And behind me, the preschool mini-me's. Every year, this tradition, all the little preschoolers make their mini-me's, their little uh, doll figures to go on the wall as we celebrate our preschoolers who will be graduating from preschool next Thursday. I'm going to call on Deacon Amy now, and she's going to share with us a few announcements. Deacon Amy? Thank you, Pastor Jim. A lot of great things continue to happen here at Trinity each and every week. Adult education has concluded for this program year. I want to offer a great big thank you to Linda Neverman for coordinating such a fantastic slate of speakers during a pandemic year. Thank you, Linda. Sunday School continues to meet at 10.30 down in the Sunday School Hall. Our final class will be next Sunday, June 6. June 6 will also be the final meeting for our confirmation program this year. They will meet on Zoom at 11.45. Our Tuesday youth group will continue to meet. We're alternating Tuesdays between in-person and on Zoom. This week, we're meeting in-person at the Trinity Fire Pit at 4 o'clock Tuesday afternoon. Hope to see you there. Thanks. Thank you, Deacon Amy, and thank you to our church council who has been so steady in their leadership helping us through this pandemic. We specifically want to thank Dwight Smith and Annie Campbell, who are completing their terms now on the church council. We're very thankful for their service. And thank you also to you for tuning in, for worshiping with us online, for being by our side during this pandemic season. We do not take it for granted. We very much appreciate your support. We're going to move now to the song Lord's Prayer as we lift our hearts to God in the words that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom Deliver us from evil, for the kingdom, the power. 
Now, as you go about your day, as you go about your life, receive the benediction. May God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In our closing song on this Memorial Day weekend, I'd invite you to join Ray Charles and Carl and others in singing America the Beautiful. Fire. 
Now, until next time, go in peace, beloved, and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you.